0: Mr Kringle is soon gonna jingle The bells that'll tingle all your troubles away Everybody's waiting for the man with the bag Cos Christmas is coming again
1: Well, season's greetings and welcome to the last episode of the Fertility Podcast for 2015. It's been a brilliant year and there's some really exciting stuff coming up for the Fertility Podcast, which I will tell you about at the end of the episode. So do make sure you've signed up. Now you can do that via the website, thefertilitypodcast.com. You can subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or Spreaker. And um, whilst you're there, if you'd like to give a review, then we love hearing what you think of the podcast, how it's helped you. And um this year's really been a year of people saying that this podcast has helped them, has made a difference all over the world and we're going to be speaking to a listener first of all who got in touch from Australia. I wanted to hear from you about dealing with fertility treatment whilst at work. Now two Christmases ago we'd found out that we were going to need fertility treatments. Christmas was a pretty tricky time just processing all of that and then going back to work and in my line of work figuring out how I would work it out, who I would tell, I found it really difficult, and I was interested to know how you dealt with it. Now, we're going to hear from three different people in this podcast talking about their work with regards to their fertility treatment. Two women and a guy. I'm really excited to have got to chat to Jeff Lloyd. If you're a fan of Absolute Radio you'll know exactly who I mean. If you've never heard of him, Jeff's a broadcaster on British Radio and he did quite an interesting thing with regards to his situation and how fertility treatment has affected his life. You have to listen uh, to Jeff, he's going to be the end of the podcast. So first of all we're going to hear from Pamela in Sydney about what she did. Here she is. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you for getting in touch. I know you said you've been listening to the podcast, so do you just want to explain to me your
0: fertility journey to date? Yeah, sure. So my husband and I have been trying for about four years, and in the last two years, we've done two cycle or three cycles of IVF, of which none of none were successful, and I didn't have enough to freeze, so they were all just fresh cycles. Um, at the moment, we're We're taking a bit of a break, making sure that we're both very healthy and then starting again with a new clinic in the new year. Have the previous cycles been with the same clinic or did you move before? The first cycle was with a clinic that a friend of mine used. They managed to get you know one to transfer but it didn't take and then I changed clinics for financial reasons so I went to a low-cost clinic here in Sydney and had two tries with them but being a low-cost clinic they don't tend to investigate and do too much of a an altered cycle and so I'm changing back to a different clinic that probably doesn't focus on that and we'll see how we go. Okay so during the treatment that you've had to date have you been working every day? Yes, I work for a corporate and I'm full time and sometimes my job is a bit demanding so I probably do a, a sort of 9 till 6 or 7pm most times um, but during the cycle um, what I did do was confide in my, my boss, my manager and um, he has been very understanding. I've known him for a number of years and I knew him in a previous job and so I was able to really confide, I did. I was actually a bit scared in doing so because it's not the type of thing that I think a manager would really, you know, if you're trying to plan out what's happening in the year and you've got this employee that says, look, I'm really desperate to get pregnant, obviously that's probably, you know, something that they might think, oh, what do I do now? But he's been really good with it and I think it's probably because he recently had twin boys, or he and his wife had, and so I think um, he understands, you know, had I gone to him prior to that, perhaps he you know, it wouldn't have been there. But he was the only one that I told. And uh, it allowed me to take some of the time off or to explain why I was coming in late because I had to do blood tests and and ultrasounds in the mornings and uh, and on transfer days and egg pickup days, I would have to take the days off as well.
1: So when you first had that conversation with him, I mean, you said you were scared. Was it something that straight away, once you knew that the treatment was going to be something you were doing, you were, you know, adamant that you were going to go and tell him or did you keep putting it off?
0: I did put it off because we were still in the middle of sort of being tested and both my husband and I needed to do different sort of blood tests and different oh I had to do different ultrasounds as well at different times of my cycle before we even started IVF. I held it off until I knew that I had to take some time off or that it was going to be really obvious. I tried to, to book my appointments even earlier than, you know, me getting into work and so that it would leave me a little bit of time or if I was late it was a, you know, only just a little bit later, no one would have noticed. Once we started doing the actual IVF and and I knew that I was going to need a lot more blood tests and a lot more ultrasounds that I really did need to tell him. So I was worried, but because to me this journey uh, is ultimately my my life goal, I guess, then um, I knew I just had to do it because... There was no other way to be to explain it. I didn't want him to think that I was sick because I I think that would have been worse. But when I did tell him he was really accepting and, and he said, you know, here in, in Australia we do get 10 days of uh, sick leave per year, per calendar year, that we can use up for legitimate, you know, for being sick or things like that. And so he was, um, for the days that I was in the clinic for transfer and for egg pickup, he allowed me to take those days as sick leave rather than my annual leave. Oh, that's good. So he
1: was very understanding. And what about your kind of colleagues? Obviously, you were coming and going, and with regards to transfer and those those things that have to be done pretty immediately. I'm assuming you just had to drop things and and go. Was there a a handover? Was there someone that you could pass stuff over, or did your manager take control of that?
0: I didn't do a handover. The kind of work that I do, I guess I I look after a, a certain area, and I planned things and left things in place and. I told people that I was going to a medical appointment and they usually wouldn't ask any more questions, you know, other than that. And I really just had to leave everything planned out for the days that I was going to be away. My egg pickups occurred on a Friday, which meant that I had the weekend to really take it easy.
1: How did you feel that the treatment affected your work? Could you focus? Would you feel that during that
0: period things kind of went a little bit haywire? It was definitely different. Getting uh, the needles and the hormones really does (laughs) does change you um and so i guess i had to be really conscious that was i being overly emotional was i losing my temper you know and all that just trying to judge for myself Uh, when i at the end of each cycle i did ask my manager if he saw any changes and according to him he didn't but i was so hyper aware that i was going to react differently that i guess i tried to stop myself before it even started wow that's
1: amazing mindfulness
0: Well, it was very difficult and I was really drained and at the end of each day I guess the other way that it affected me was that I couldn't do the longer hours. I was so I guess emotionally drained that I would have to finish at about six o'clock and leave. And then I'd get home and I'd be just I'd just wanna I'd have my husband just cook dinner instead of me and because it was for the two weeks that I was taking the injections it was it was quite tough. It is and this is the thing with just carrying on as as normal.
1: It's a real challenge and one that I think is, is often overlooked and I think one of the reasons that I wanted to get some honest viewpoints on dealing with it at work is I think people need to also remember it's all right to let it kind of take its toll if you can carry on working just you need to put your feet up when you get home because if you can't tell people then you're just going to have to like you say kind of carry on
0: regardless but rather than beat yourself up about what's going on just try and ride it would you agree yeah absolutely I I mean sometimes all the emotion that I'd been sort of holding back throughout work times I, I would have to just come home and for no reason whatsoever I'd sort of burst into tears or and obviously I had my husband there so it was just nice for him to just sort of you know sit next to me and just go look it's okay it's the hormones don't forget that this is not this is not your normal you
1: <laughs> yeah in an ideal world would you would you for a, a future cycle do you take the time off work if you can because you think that's too much emphasis on what's going on
0: I think it's it all depends I guess on it's hard to explain I guess because work actually helped me take my mind off it as well so instead of trying to overanalyze everything I felt in my body which I guess you're in a position where you're trying to feel something, you know, am I being too bloated? Any sort of small little, especially during the two week wait, I think that was probably the worst where you're trying to think, you know, am I pregnant now? What's happening? Did I just feel something? So by continuing on with work, at least it gave me something to take my mind off it. For sure. And I am in an office. And so I think, You know, it would be different for someone who does strenuous work or has to be standing up. But again, it's hard because you have to balance it out with do you have enough leave? And in my case as well, I'm constantly hoping because I haven't fallen pregnant yet, but I'm hoping that it will happen. And then I will use some of my leave for maternity leave as well. So
1: it's really logistical for you. And it's really good that you're able to think ahead and I guess have that clarity that you've got the support of your manager and that you can have those days as allocated sick days, like you said, rather than annual leave. What what would be your top three tips for other people who maybe have so far struggled whilst being at work and having treatment or about to
0: start treatment? and are nervous about how they're going to maintain their their job day to day? I think that if they know in advance that they can either get their appointments done outside of work hours, so if there was a way of of being able to get that done, and that sort of alleviates the questions, because I think some of the time I was worried about what will people think, so if there was a way of if you're not going to tell those around you or or people in your team then to avoid some of that see if there is options that are closer to you i i didn't always have to go into the clinic i could go get the pathology stuff done at a nearby location or i can get it done in a location that was closer to work so planning all of that out does help i think that I mean, if work is something that is going to help you distract your mind, then obviously do it. I'm on a few forums and a few Facebook groups and a lot of the time other women who are going through it really find that it's just too much stress. And because it is a time that you're meant to try and, and be relaxed or as relaxed as you possibly can to help the whole process, then if you do have the ability to take it off, then, you know, Perhaps that is a good idea.
1: Wise words. Well, Pamela, thank you for sharing and thank you for getting in touch. And I really hope that, you know, this time out for you and your husband is a good kind of revitalizing time. And will you, will you keep me posted on what happens next? Absolutely. All right. Well, look lovely to chat. What time is it with you?
0: Uh,
1: yeah, quarter past ten at night. All right. Well, look, thank you again. Speak soon and have a have a good Christmas. Thank you. Likewise.
0: Have a good Christmas to you, you too. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right.
1: Hi. So maybe Pamela said some things there that you can identify with, maybe some tips that can help you with your situation. Next up, we're going to be speaking with Natalie, again, who contacted me uh, with regards to sharing her story of dealing with fertility treatment at work. Natalie's got a really interesting approach of what she's going to be doing in the new year. I'm delighted to get to chat to another listener who emailed me because I had asked if you had a story about dealing with your treatment whilst at work, if you were willing to share so I'm now going to welcome Natalie to the podcast. Natalie, welcome to the fertility podcast. How are you? Hi
2: um yeah, I'm fine. thank
1: you good. well, thank you for getting in touch, and what I was keen to know was really your story and dealing with it at work so where are you right now? So we've been trying to have a baby for nearly
2: four years. The first year we didn't have um, we didn't get any investigations done at all. It was only after a year that we went to try and get help. So we, we did three IUIs and then we sort of progressed on to IVF. So I've I've had two fresh cycles so far and one frozen all this year and the second fresh cycle was converted into a frozen one because i i developed hss and um, so ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome so
1: that means that means you're producing too many eggs does it when they uh, give you the hormones right
2: yeah i had quite a high dose of stims but they they also gave me um, a sort of growth hormone as well and it meant it was great because it meant that i think i got 15 eggs collected but i did develop OHSS afterwards so they couldn't do the transfer um, so all of, the, all of the embryos were frozen and then I had um, uh, a frozen transfer after that so yeah so two fresh and one frozen um, and not had any success so far.
1: Can I ask have you stayed at the same clinic through this or have you moved? I have yeah so um,
2: okay. yes yeah, so I'm at, at UCLH in North London so the CCG that I'm in Camden is really generous and gives you three uh, cycles of IVF for free. That's
1: so good to hear, do you know, because I talked to different people and I was fortunate in that I was eligible for NHS funding and we were successful first round, but we were eligible for three rounds and I, I feel so strongly that that relieved the pressure a bit. Have you found that?
2: Absolutely. I mean, I, I've got um, sort of numerous friends that have gone through it that have only had one cycle um, funded. And, you know, it's, it does seem a little bit silly that it, it just depends on where you live.
1: Definitely. It's such a bone of contention. I don't know whether you've heard the episodes that we've talked about it on the podcast. It's just ongoing. And let's hope that, you know, the next couple of years, there's some kind of regulation, something happens. Because, you know, like you say, the, the pressure is lifted, even though, you know, obviously, you're still going through treatment. And, where are we now with the, the new year? Is that now going to be funded? Do you have to fund that yourself?
2: So um, the next cycle will be frozen.
1: And so that's still on the
2: NHS. What my okay. CCG have said is that I've got three fresh rounds. And for every fresh cycle, you can have up to three frozen in theory. So I'm All actually right. on the second frozen cycle um, as part of my second round, if you see what I mean. Um, okay. If this one fails, then um, I'll, I'll then take up my sort of third and final fresh fresh round with them.
1: Okay, well let's let's focus on where we are, and then because I know you're having a bit of a break, and hopefully you can have a bit of time out at Christmas and just not think about it because it gets so absorbing, doesn't it?
2: Absolutely, yeah, and it is difficult combining it with a full time job. So, um, what I'm doing after Christmas is um, I'm actually taking two months off work, almost like a mini sabbatical um, right. for my next cycle. It's a frozen cycle, so I don't have to go through all the stimulation treatment, which I know can be pretty intense, but I have got to have an operation. So a hysteroscopy, which they suggested that I have before before I undergo the next cycle. So um, essentially, I think if I had a more of a normal nine to five job with regular hours, then I, I'd just continue combining that with my treatment. Um, but my work has been just so stressful this year and also combined with a promotion um, that I just feel that I need to take some time out to concentrate on treatment while I do that. Unfortunately, my boss has been really understanding and letting me do that
1: the conversation that you had at work, was it about actually what's happening or that you are having some medical treatment?
2: Yeah, well, I'd already had to tell uh, my boss about it just because I was taking so much time off for appointments and scans. And, you know, you only have a limited amount of annual leave, so you use that as much as you can. But then it gets to the point where you have to, you're always having to explain, you know, why, why are you coming in at 11 or you're only working half a day. So I had no option but to be upfront with my Uh, boss I'm lucky I work for the NHS so my boss was very understanding which is really good it still doesn't mean that it's easy easy to do that it's easy to combine with a full-time job often you're coming from an appointment where you've had some really bad news and you're pretty upset and you've got to go straight from that situation to just being at your desk or chairing a meeting and you know it's I I just was finding it increasingly hard to combine the two. How
1: did you cope? How did you cope (laughs) in those situations?
2: Yeah I mean I didn't um I don't think I well, I mean, I'd always try and take time out after my appointment to at least sort of go for a, a cup of tea or something before I go back into the office. But I didn't really have any chance but to cope, to be honest, because I've just had such a hectic job. I still have such a hectic job that you just have to, to go back into the office and just, you know, put that to one side and, and just deal with your work. But it did it does leave me feeling, you know, like you're not doing anything thing particularly well. You're not giving your full focus on treatment and, and, you know, allowing yourself to relax and to make the most of that. And equally, you know, I often felt distracted at work, either because I was waiting for my phone to ring from, you know, the IVF nurse to give me a call about treatment or, you know, just still thinking about things that had been said to me at an appointment in the morning. And so you just end up feeling like you're not doing a good job of anything. And it's, it's just a really
1: frustrating feeling. So the decision that you made to take the sabbatical, I'm assuming you chatted about it with your other half. Have you told people outside work? Have you got a, another support network?
2: Yeah, I've got, um, I've got a couple of friends actually who are having IVF at the moment and also told my sort of close family. But apart from
1: that, I've not really talked about it. How does that feel? Because obviously you're about to come out of work and then be on a sabbatical for the next couple of months. I mean, I'm just interested to know about the, um, I suppose it's the dealing process because you've got quite a specific plan ahead.
2: You know, I'm lucky in that my family are, are really supportive, and they've always been of the opinion why well, you should be taking more time out to focus on this because they know that I work really long hours. Um, so they're they they're glad that I'm taking time out, and I think my friends right. think it's a good idea. Um, I, I suppose my concern is, is it does put more pressure on the process because you think, oh, I've taken this unpaid time off work. Is there a, does that mean that there's more pressure on it to work, and how, how am I going to feel if it doesn't work? So I'm just trying to stay calm about that and you know not get my expectations up too much my husband's actually said to me if this one doesn't work the next round will be another fresh one he said that he'd be happy if I wanted to um to take a few months you know take like the rest of the year off or take a few months off um to focus on just getting through these cycles just so that yeah I think it's just about feeling that you've given it the best shot that you can whether that's getting enough sleep eating properly you know exercising just looking after yourself really and Definitely. I think probably none of those things probably make any difference at all. But I think what they do make a difference to is is kind of how you feel about yourself and how you manage it. Because you can think, at least I gave it my best shot. And if it didn't work, I did that. Whereas if I was just continuing with my job at the pace that it is, I think you know I'd always be regretting and thinking, oh what if, what if, you know, if I hadn't take if I if I'd taken time out, would the, the um you know would the outcome have been any different? So it's about knowing yourself, I think.
1: I think you don't want to have what ifs is a no. big thing that you say, and without wanting to do a shameless plug, if you haven't already listened to some of the earlier episodes of the podcast, there's chats that I had with um, I don't know if you're familiar with Emma Cannon, mm-hmm. who's a big um, puts a big emphasis on what you eat, but in a really like interesting way. Um, her details are on the blog, and there's also there's fertility coaches, there's fertility yoga, there's all sorts of mindfulness stuff because I'm a big believer in it, and I think like you say, whether or not it makes a difference, if it makes you feel better. Then you and your mindset is in a better place to go through all of this because it's massive, you know, on what it does to you and how it takes over your life. And I've talked with people about how it can distance you with some of your friends because you can't tell them or you don't want to tell them. And therefore, you know, it's brilliant that you told your family. And I, I wish you the best of luck for this next period of time because I think you're, I think you're in a. It sounds like you're in a really good place to to go into it. And at the start of the year after Christmas, you know, just I think just make sure you don't. um dwell on what you're not doing and you know enjoy what you are doing
2: absolutely i mean i have told some of, some of my friends you know you get to that point in life where all your friends are having babies most of them got married after me so like three years after me or something and you know it's hard not to see it as a kind of as a race it's mm-hmm. not a race but you just end up sort of feeling like you're frozen or like you're stuck in the mud and everyone's just kind of getting on with their lives and you're just sort of stuck in the same position that you were you know. yeah yeah I've just tried to be open about it because I, I think it, people do still feel stigmatised. It can be really difficult to talk about and I think it's because it's not only you but
1: also your partner as well. So can I ask, are you going to tell work colleagues obviously why you're taking too much out?
2: Yeah, I have told some work colleagues. Yeah, like the ones that I'm closest to, yeah. I've been pretty open about it, to be honest.
1: You're in the, the right workplace. People are aware of what IBF, you know, is in the NHS whereas if you're in a corporate of some description or who knows a predominantly male environment i think it it might pose more challenging would you would you agree
2: i agree yeah no it's definitely some of the friends that i've had that i've gone through been working in those environments and they have just had to basically keep it secret which i'm not quite sure how they've managed to do that to be honest yeah Yeah. Um, but i i do feel you know it's not like i've told the world i'm on social media i don't talk about it on social media but i've been open with the people that i'm close with because I i do think it's important to be be honest about it if you can, if you feel up to it and just have more conversations, which is why, you know, doing things like this podcast is really good, I think, you know, because it, it just makes other people feel like they can share what they're going through as well.
1: Well, this is it. And I mean, you've just given a brilliant tip. But if if there's any other tips that you'd give to someone who might be listening in a similar situation with work, that they maybe are thinking, I just need time out. And it's a, it's a brave thing you've done. And, you know, you should give yourself a pat on the back for that. What would you say to someone who might be kind of listening to you going, oh, my God, me too?
2: Mm, I think trying to have an honest conversation with your employer, I think, about what you're going through and the impact that it has and why you feel you need the time out. And also kind of stress your commitment to your job. You know, I, I've got every intention of going back to my job. It's just that I need time out to focus on this on this particular thing. It's been hard for me because I've just very, you know, I've recently been promoted. And in some ways I feel like I'm letting them down or I'm letting myself down. Um, But I just keep reminding myself that actually, you know, I've got my whole life to have a job and do a job and actually I've only got a a relatively short window to focus on this. So whenever I've been feeling doubtful about the decision or worried about it, that's what I keep thinking, is that I've only got a, you know, a relatively short window for this so it has to take priority really. Um,
1: Well this period of time is about you and it's that decision that you've made for you and for your partner, you know, it's a big thing.
2: Yeah, I guess we'll see how it goes.
1: (laughs) I don't mean a big thing in a pressure I mean it's yeah. a big decision that you've made for yourself
2: I mean I was getting to the point where I was especially with just recently being promoted having lots of extra work I mean I'd just be literally sitting there on my iPhone or sitting on my laptop in wait in the waiting room trying to combine work with my treatment when I on the cycle that I got LHSS in the way to on, on the way to you know a and I mean I was I was trying to sort out a work thing so that I wouldn't have to worry about it for two days because I knew that I might get admitted and I think that was the point that I just sort of took a bit of a reality check and just thought hold on this is you know this is silly I I, you know I was in agony they just gave me loads of morphine and yeah I was worried just about a work thing and I just thought what you know what am I doing actually I just need to give this some proper attention if it really means that much to me but I don't want to be in that position again next time round. so
1: I think it's just important to take some time out I agree well look I'd love it if you keep me posted so enjoy your Christmas <laughs> hopefully you can have a glass of champagne and toast the new year and all it may bring and thank you so much for your time Natalie have a, have a lovely Christmas and let's keep in touch and speak in the new year
2: bye Natalie thank you
1: Now, I have a friend who took time out of work to focus on her treatment after the first two rounds of IVF weren't successful. And don't worry if that's something that you're thinking about. Don't have guilt about it. As Natalie said, and as Pamela said... This starting a family is such an important thing, and if it's not as easy as you'd hoped, then that emphasis has to be put on it without it driving you mad. So I really hope that both Pamela and Natalie have given you some things to think about.
0: They have
1: Christmas out in Mexico. A lot of places that you wanted to go. Next up, we're going to be hearing from the guy's point of view and uh, hearing a very interesting way of maybe sharing with people about what you've been through regarding IVF. So I'm really excited to welcome to the Facility Podcast, a fellow broadcaster, Jeff Lloyd from Absolute Radio. How are you, Jeff? Hello, I'm very well. Thank
3: you for having me.
1: It's lovely to have you on here. And I was quite keen to talk to you, especially for this episode, because we're talking about fertility treatment and dealing with it at work. Now, I saw a video a couple of weeks ago where you announced on your evening show on Absolute Radio that not only were you expecting, congratulations, Thank you. but that you and your wife went through IVF and you didn't stop there in your jovial manner. And I loved the tone in which you just delivered it, like it was just such a normal thing, which was brilliant. You very openly talked about how the problem lies with you. Yes. So, yeah, I'd love you to just start <laughs> with, first of all, if you don't mind, the conversation that you must have had at home that you were going to do this on air. Um,
3: I think we both just thought it was inevitable that I would say something at some stage because it's one of those radio programmes where I'm mining my own life a lot for material. Yeah, So it, it was fairly inevitable that I would do it the only slight negotiation was when because of course you, you tell people you're pregnant generally at three months but my wife wanted me to leave it longer because we'd had a, um, a terrible experience actually earlier in the year we'd had a miscarriage on our second round of IVF and even Sorry, though we're quite rational logical people it made us kind of a little bit superstitious do you know what I mean? Even though we're not superstitious. They, oh, well, you know, you don't want to tell anybody too soon. And what if? And even though we knew all the statistics and we knew that it was unlikely another round of IVF would end in a miscarriage. So, yeah, I think she wanted me to leave it till 20 weeks. And I think I said it at about 18. And there was a funny reason for that, actually, in that my producer, Gareth, was leaving the show. And I hadn't said anything to anybody about the IVF apart from to my co-host. I don't know, I sort of wanted to let him know and I thought it'd be fun to let him know by doing it on the air, really.
1: I know from working in radio how powerful it is doing stuff like that live and shocking the people around you. What was the reaction Yeah, like? yeah,
3: yeah. So um, so Annabelle, who's my co-host, she, she knew because um, she's one of my best friends in real life and we talked about this stuff. But actually we were quite private, not completely private, about doing the IVF only because somebody had told us previously that if if you're not private about it then people are always asking oh where are you up to in the cycle and you know what that waiting for the result is like it's so awful anyway the last thing you need is people say calling you on the day saying so have you got the news have you got the news so we decided Mm -hmm. to be quite private for that reason um and then once everything looked good and we were in um, a time period where it just looked a lot more safe. I thought it'd be fun to talk about it on the air. And also, um, it's a silly show, you know, it's, it's um, a, a flippant, silly radio program. But I have found that if I touch on stuff which isn't like that, and I, I do it very sparingly, that people really connect with it. And I've had a lot of email um, from, you know, from, from all kinds of people, but especially from men who've suffered from fertility issues and it's um I, I don't want to sound overly sincere or cheesy but you know it, it's 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 quite a lovely thing when you talk about stuff in an open way albeit a humorous way and yeah. that does some good for other people because it's out in the open
1: well that was my next question was what kind of response have you had because one in six couples are affected by fertility issues 50 percent of that are with men and one of the things that i try to cover with the fertility podcast is this issue with male infertility, because men are proud and don't speak about it as openly as, as women do. And I'm, I'm keen to know, I mean, were you, because you quite frankly said you'd outwitted evolution. You know, the problem was with you, yeah. but but you'd, you'd had success. And I mean, you joked about it, but you know, the stats say that sperm counts have reduced by like 50% in the last 50 years. It's an issue with men. And how do you feel about when you found out the problem was with you what was out there for you to maybe look into or find out a bit more to support how you're feeling yeah
3: I'd, I'd always joke for years because I'm very much a beta male I'd always joked that I'm probably the type to have a low sperm count which is of course silly because there isn't a type but just something kind of ineffectual and weaklingish a bit Walter Softy about me um <laughs> so so I'd always made that joke anyway and then last year I'd had it tested at the beginning of the year. And then it became kind of a running joke on the radio, me talking about my poor sperm motility. I interviewed Conan O'Brien and um, I was telling him about it, you know, so I was quite open about it.
0: And oh, I see. From,
3: from when I started talking about that, I started getting little, um, uh, a little a steady drip of email from fellas who said, oh, it's so great that you're talking, talking about this stuff. But I, I still think actually it feels very much like a mystery to me what i can do with my sperm count um i I don't know if it's an area of fertility that is um that is that is talked about as much that you even if you go online, I guess men aren't talking about it. I know that there's problems with fertility as an industry and the way it targets women's insecurities, especially around age. And it's surprising to me that they don't target men's insecurities around sperm count. Because I I found it very difficult, actually, to find good information on things that could improve it before we were at the stage of starting with the IVF.
1: Well, I've chatted with a guy who you'd probably be interested to chat with um, just for personal gain called uh, Alan Pacey, who is kind of the doctor of sperm chat. And he has done some really interesting research about it because there's all sorts of chat about your diet and drinking and smoking and that kind of thing. But one of the most solid facts is that sperm becomes less healthy as you get older. Right. But there's such a lack of research in this area, which is why the more people like yourself that talk about it, the more of a spotlight can be on it. You've got a party in the background. Uh,
3: I've got somebody hoovering upstairs and um, my wife's giving a friend relationship advice in the kitchen. So <laughs> <Brilliant>. <laughs> that's, uh, that's what <laughs> talking about your sperm yeah yeah. it's a it's a a a mixed bag yeah
1: I mean how do you feel when people ask you about it I know you're obviously open but are you more than happy to just keep keep it going the conversation
3: yeah so I'm happy to talk about it in real life with anybody at this stage now that we've not got that um, pressure of trying to keep the IVF secret. I'm, I'm not going to bang on about it on the air too much because I don't want to become a bore on the subject and I certainly don't want to be one of those people when the baby comes who's always talking about the funny thing the baby or the kid did so I'm just trying to keep a check on that but yeah I'm, I'm happy to talk about it really because it's a funny thing in as much if you say fertility issues i think most people think oh yeah that's when you know a lady's getting older or there's something going on um with a lady's reproductive parts and a man's sperm isn't the thing that generally springs to people's minds and yet you say 50 percent of fertility issues are men's issues and it, it seems very imbalanced in the way that it's talked about
1: the men that were contacting you were they saying? I don't know whether this came across, but were they saying they were able to talk to their mates? I mean, were you?
3: Um, no, uh, so I didn't get anything like that from listeners. Just people saying, "Oh, it's good to hear you talking about this. We did IVF, and um, or we're doing IVF at the moment, and we're on such and such a round." And it's just good to hear people being open about that stuff. So that was what I got back from uh, listeners. And then in real life, you know, I talk about it with my friends. Um, especially you know there's a there's a lot to think about as you know when when choosing where you're going to go through the IVF process and that was something I talked to friends about um, a lot because I've got friends who uh, I feel are very logically minded and it's such a emotionally loaded subject it's good to get an outside perspective on that stuff
1: and what about support? I mean, it sounds like you and your wife obviously were, were pretty solid talking about it. But when you found out the problem was with you, mm. did you feel that you needed to talk to anybody else? And you said you couldn't really find much information out there. Would you have liked there to have been more support yeah, for yeah. the male fertility issue? I think
3: so. I mean, I, I would have liked some evidence based steps that I could follow instead of oh maybe you want to eat a bit less soy and, and uh, yeah. if you eat these pills maybe it'll do some good but maybe it won't I mean that's kind of the extent of the advice I feel I was given um, and we switched fertility clinics actually we did all our uh, investigative stuff with one clinic and then something about it wasn't quite ringing true with us we, we became suspicious of a couple of things so we swapped to another one so maybe if i'd been at a different clinic in the first place we would have had a better time of it with that
1: it's interesting i hear it a lot we did a similar thing you know but that's something that i'm covering next year in the fertility podcast looking at different clinics the most important
3: thing we um found with that with choosing clinics is it's I think it's just about finding one way you feel comfortable and you feel like this is the place for me. Because I know some of these places claim success rates that are sort of off the charts. But I kind of think if it's too good to be true, it's probably too good to be true. And my understanding of how medicine and science works generally is that scientists discover things and then they don't kind of keep it to themselves. So basically what I'm saying is I think these places are much of a muchness to some extent.
1: Yeah. yeah. You're right. It has to it has to make you feel like you're comfortable, and, yeah. and you have to, even if it's that you like the look of the building when you walk up, yeah, to yeah, it, absolutely. Okay.
3: And just just be a little bit aware of um, places which are doing tests or recommending drugs that aren't recommended at, at any of the other places or many of the other places. And just stay, you know, just try and be mindful of whether people's motives are scientific or perhaps financial
1: good tips and and any more I always like to ask if if anybody's got any tips with regards to your experience that you've had from a bloke's point of view yeah top tips
3: I can't imagine it's that much different to um from a woman's point of view like the two-week wait is horrible if you've not done IVF yet you maybe think well, how bad bad can it be you know we've been trying for a baby and it's always horrible waiting to find out at the end of the month but it's it's 10 times worse and i can't explain why it's 10 times worse but it's just so loaded it's such Mm. an awful experience don't feel bad about yourself resenting every single person you hear of who has a baby Mm -hmm. um because you you do you know you, you, you can really find some darkness in yourself uh, during that time. And the, the other thing is people will say things to you constantly and they mean well, but nothing anybody can say is, is useful. The only thing that people are able to say that's of any use is, oh, I heard you're going through this, Um, you know, just let you know we're we're rooting for you, we're thinking of you. Because the things that people come out with, you know, it's either, oh, yeah, well, you know, you don't need to worry because I've got these friends who did IVF and uh, they, they they were pregnant straight away or it's uh, oh yeah well we know people i mean it took them years actually it was uh, they really went for it they did it um hundreds of times they remortgaged the house they ended up living in a cardboard box but after 11 years uh, they they finally had a beautiful baby and neither of those things are helpful because you're always thinking well god it didn't work for us on the first round so then you know will it take us 11 years or it's it's I think people mean well when they give you these stories, but they're really not helpful at all.
1: Yeah, pop advice. All right, Jeff. Well, I really appreciate your time and best of luck with the growing bump. Thank and you. Preparation for parenthood. So it will be a life changer. Have you done breakfast radio?
3: I have, yes.
1: OK, so you're used to 4am. That's yes. fine.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jeff Lloyd, thank you very much. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, Natalie. Bye. And I will put the video from when Jeff announced on air about his fertility treatment on the show notes. So you've heard three different people's stories and I really, really hope that if you are at a point where your work-life balance literally is too overwhelming, just take a step back. As I always say, I'm not an expert here on the Fertility Podcast. I've been through fertility treatment myself. I'm heading into my first Christmas with my baby, my husband and as a family we're all obviously hugely excited and i hope that i'm an example of of being hopeful being optimistic of what could happen
0: a merry little christmas make the you
1: Get in touch info at the com. Make sure you've signed up, which you can do at the fertilitypodcast.com. And the show notes for this episode, with all the details of what we've been talking about, are the com forward slash Christmas episode. Okay, that's the fertilitypodcast.com forward slash Christmas episode. Now, then, for 2016, I'm really excited to announce that the Fertility Podcast has a sponsor because I do this. Out of pure love for sharing my experience and my broadcasting background with you to try and help if you're in a bit of a pickle. I really hope that that's what this podcast does. But I need to, um, you know, get a few supplies along the way. So... I'm going to be working with someone. I'm going to announce it in the new year. So watch this space. It's very exciting. We're going to be looking at clinics. We're going to be doing a really thorough kind of trip around the UK, visiting different clinics. I'm going to be going in person. So if you're at that point where you're trying to work out where to go, hopefully this will be really interesting for you. Maybe if you're at a clinic and you're not happy about it and you've been thinking about changing, again, this could be really useful. Or even if you know somebody that this could help, just make sure you signed up so you don't miss anything that's happening in 2016. And all that's left for me to say is have a great christmas if you've had bad news look just take stock just i know this can be a really difficult time if things aren't going to plan but just give yourself a bit of a break okay so i wish you a merry christmas and a happy new year and i'll be back in the new year see you then
0: have yourself a merry little christmas let your heart be light. Next year. Oh